Welcome to Unabashed You, conversations to become who you already are. The focus at UY is to be who you are without apology, for you are one of a kind, without equal. Be encouraged as these conversations will help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Your companion to the whimsy and beauty of the human spirit, Rochelle Condi now. The Comfort Cub was created by Marcella Johnson. It is a therapeutic teddy bear originally designed to help grieving mothers after a loss, and now it has become so much more. The sweet bear has made its way into the arms of many women, men, and children to support them in loss, trauma, depression, and anxiety. Marcella is our guest today for Thankful and Giving Back. Marcella is here. Let's get to know her a bit and then take a deeper dive into her passion project, The Comfort Cup. Welcome to the show, Marcella, or I should say welcome back because you've been on the show before with one of your daughters, Elizabeth. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to be back, Rochelle. Thank you very much for having me again. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, let's dive in uh, up to the get to know you part. Anything you want the listeners to know about you to start? Well, I, 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 yeah, I did want them to know that I'm a mom of five children, even though I only have four here on earth, I have one in heaven. That's very important to me. And I don't say it very often, but I, considering we're going to talk about the comfort cub, I thought that was an important piece to know. Yes. And the other thing is that, thank you. And the other thing is that, um, I wanted people to know that I have, I've been married for coming up on 35 years (laughs) and I'm married. (laughs) I know. Good night. Where'd the time go? Um, yeah. And, uh, it's um, someone that I knew from junior high school, a good friend from junior high that we didn't start dating till college, but um, just, I just think that's kind of unique. No, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun little tidbit. And there was some groundwork laid then that you didn't even realize was being laid, which I think is such a great part of your story. You know, you just never know how it's all you're going to come back around. You just, yeah, you just never know. Uh, we both we both married La Jolla boys too. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. All right, Marcella, three okay. words you would use to describe yourself. Okay, so my three words are um, faith filled. I don't even know if that's a word. Yes, but I did, of course it is. Is it okay? Yes. I, I was like, I was trying to think. You know, I didn't want to use the word religious because, but if you know me, or if I, you know, I think that you have to know that my faith is really important to me, that Mm -hmm. that's what I would want to lead with, that I'm um, a woman of faith and that my faith is very, very important in everything that I do. Um, And that, so faith filled. um, And I also think that I'm resilient. I've been through um, quite a bit in my life. And for some reason, I always figure out a way to bounce back and keep going. Um, and then I am a very loyal person. Ooh, and yes. yeah, I, I really am. And um, it, it, I always joke that like, if you're a friend of mine, um, we, we will be friends forever, because yes. I don't give up on people very easily. And, um, you know, those that I love, I, I stand by and I stick up for and um I just, I just think that's very important. Yeah. Yes. It, well, it absolutely is. Those are wonderful qualities that I can attest to as a friend 
Um, very much so. And we've, uh, let's see, we're doing some quick math. Here. How long we've been? 23 years. Mm-hmm. Going 23 on 24, years. Rochelle. Going on 24. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, that's kind of, I can't believe it. I it's cannot. wonderful. It is one of life's best joys to be able to do a slice of life with you. So wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and I just have to say that I'm, I, I don't know if this is too disclosing about you, but I feel very connected to you at the heart because you helped me through one of the most difficult periods of my life. And you are such a wonderful mentor to me. And um, we often talk about our little boys in heaven, yes. you know, being Christian and George. And so I think you and I have a special bond that um, is very, very meaningful. And you are such you are a very loyal and good, good friend. Um, oh. Anyone who's lucky enough to be your friend is lucky indeed. All right. This conversation's over. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's, it's not. true. It's really, really, really true, Rochelle. Uh, gosh, I just, I, I'm, I'm deeply moved by what you have to say. And you can start to hear it in my voice. It's <laughs> Well, it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah. Well, right. Back about at that you. loyalty, that loyalty. I mean, you, you, you stood by me and stayed with me and you're still with me, mm-hmm. you know, through this whole process. Right. Right. Well, absolutely. And you know, what, a what it's been an honor, you know, I love that word honor. It's one, another word in addition to uh, what was the one we're bringing back? Oh, uh, dapper. There dapper. you go. Dapper. In addition to dapper, I feel like we need, it's, of course, dapper is just a fun light word, but honor. I mean, it is, I think it's a little gone by the wayside, but I think we need to bring it back because when you, really understand what it means and people mm-hmm. who really live by that. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's just something that is, gets me very verklempt. Yep. Yep. And it, I, I guess you're right. And just somebody like that, that's kind of feels very old school that if someone keeping their word, if they say they're going to do something, you know, a lot of times I think, I think, you know, back when a handshake really meant something and, mm-hmm. you know, and if you say that you're going to do something, like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm I, I plan to do it. Right. You know. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And if I can't, I will. I better have a really good, you know, reason why I can't <laughs> do something. Well, and then sometimes ha- things happen. Yeah. But I think you do it again in a very honorable way. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. this other thing happened. It's not that it's better. It's just that it's pressing, and I have to attend to it. Yeah. Let's, you know, and the people who know you. Or they don't even have to know you and love you. I was going to say they don't even have to do that. They, if they too come from a place of honor and they understand mm-hmm. what your word means, they get it, and they'll be the first ones to say, "Oh, no problem at all. Yeah, what works better for you?" And that's just like I would say, human decency and courtesy. But mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the way of the world. So, so it's so funny that you're talking about this because I was talking to somebody that I was mentoring and we were talking about honor and how things have changed. And, you know, when I was talking about the fact that when I was growing up, my mom really, um, you know, she instilled some pretty important values. One of them was to be very patriotic. You know, Mm -hmm. my father was an immigrant and he always, my mom too, and my dad both were from military families and that you know, it's like freedom isn't free and we live in the best country in the whole world. I mean, that's what my dad said, because in order for him to become an American citizen, he had to, he had to enlist in the army. 
coming oh over from France. So he was willing to give up his life to be in this country. Oh. And, and he just always said, you are the luckiest people in the world to be born in America. And, you know, the, you know, it's, that's always in my mind. Um, and, and then the other thing is um, my mom always talked about my dad's French. There's a French word, word called noblesse oblige. Do you know what that is? It sounds like a noble obligation. Yes, it's kind of exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the young person that I was talking to, I go, does that make sense? Do you know what that is? And they're like, no, I've never heard of it. But yeah, it's exactly that. It's and And I'm not saying, you know, we were talking about how in America, even the poorest person in America is richer than so many people in other countries. I mean, and so when I'm talking about, my mom always said that if you had, it's the nobles obligation. And back in the day, the nobles had money. They had education. They could read and write. They had, they had a responsibility that they understood. This was mm -hmm. understood that if you are in a position of, um, you know, that you can help people, that you are obliged to do that, that God has put you in a position mm. where you can help other. And, and that's, that's a responsibility. It's, you know, you know, part of the honor of being a noble part of it, part of being born into a country, you know, like the United States where we can all read and write. And, you know, it's, it's a really important for us to give back to people that aren't as don't have as much as we do. That's, so that's a really good point. And you can see that we could like, like completely do a whole episode on <laughs> right, right, right. Being noble, being honorable, mm -hmm. keeping your word, all those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. And I know you and I share very similar, if not the same kinds of uh, values for sure. Yeah. It's funny because the other word that I was thinking about was integrity. Integrity oh. is really important to me. Yeah. You have, you have, you have a great deal of integrity too. In oh, fact, I love what? that word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I really, I don't really want to hang out with anybody that doesn't have integrity. And as soon as I find out that they don't, I, I, right. you know, I'm moving along. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's Wish you well, but carry on. Yeah, right. Carry exactly. on. Carry God on. bless you. Honey. Oh my God goodness. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait for this one because I think I just know you're going to come up with some really good ones, two truths and a lie. So you're going to say three things about yourself and I want to see if I could figure out the one that is not true. Okay. Okay. They're not that great, but here we, here we go. I just was trying to think of something. <laughs> so the first is that, um, I um, almost fell into a swimming pool with a, a, a killer whale. And uh, oh. that, yep. And then the second one is that I um, taught English in Japan for Reuters, the British News Information Agency, and I was a company English teacher. And the third was that um, I was in an audience with Pope John Paul II um, three times. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, here's the thing. I know you taught English in Japan, but you added a little thing after it, which I can't even remember right now. So I'm going to set that one aside. Okay. Okay. You fell into a pool. Are you almost, almost, it's really the key word there almost. And I know that you did up with people. And so I imagine that you probably were at sea roll at some point. I'm going to set that aside. And I also know uh, that you did, okay, Pope John Paul, um, an audience with him. But the fact that you said three times is I'm <laughs> going with that as the lie because that, I, is it? <laughs> that is totally the lie. I couldn't, I can't even come up with good stuff, but 
Yeah, no, those I, were great because they're so interesting and so diverse. I think if I had to guess, you you got to be in an audience with him once. Twice, actually. Oh, man. yeah. And oh my gosh, that I, I I should tell you about that another time. But that oh. was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, and um, he, you know, he's just recently been made a saint. And mm. I really, at, and but by the way, at the time, I am Catholic now, but at the time, I really wasn't practicing as a Catholic. And I was kind of like, what is everyone making such a big deal about this guy? He put his pants on one leg, like at a time like the rest of us. But when he came around and he, because we were performing right there on St. Peter's, you know, on the oh. stage with him. And he came around to say, you know, uh, hello and thank you. And and I just happened to be in the front row. And the moment that he reached out his hand to me, and I was just like, and he was like, so you said, God bless you to me. I don't, there was 35,000 people there. And all of a sudden it was just completely like zoom. It was only he and I, and, and I swear, this sounds so crazy, but I swear I felt something come into Ooh. my hand that wow. went all the way through my body and, wow. and they moved on. He kept moving, you know, cause there was a large crowd of people, but I was like, I looked at my hands and I was like, Oh, oh my gosh. What just happened? Very special. <laughs> that is not your typical person. I think I right. really didn't quite appreciate how special he is. And wow. um, so, yeah, so that, that, that was really cool. Um, yeah. So that was very amazing. What an experience. Yeah. What a great, wonderful experience that not many people can say, right? Yeah, it was really, that was, it was a little bit life-changing actually, because it made me realize that, you know, there's, there's, that something tangible is out there that's greater than us. Right. You know, Absolutely. So interesting. And, and then, then, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, oh, go. I was just going to say, going back to, you know, yes, yes, I taught and I did teach your Reuters and that was a really great experience. But I, I kind of got mixed up because I was going to tell you I swam with the killer whale, <laughs> but I, I got all mixed up when I was trying to tell you that story. And the truth is, I didn't swim with the killer whale. But I almost fell in because I went oh. to the world and I had to, I had to run between this small place where the killer whales were to get to the back of the stage. Oh. And a couple of times I was like oh. you know, getting close to, you know, I was in a oh. rush. I was trying to get from one thing to the next. And I just about, oh thank goodness, gosh. I did not fall in. Oh. But I, that scared me out of my mind that I was like, oh my goodness, because this one killer whale, every oh. time I came up. He he would look at me, and uh, I I could just tell he was oh my gosh or something. He wanted to eat. Me. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh! So thank God that never happened. That does seem very horrifying to me because it, it would be very unexpected for the killer whale, and you know you're not a trainer. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm sure they have a whole protocol of things they follow, but you, the, here's this, you know person that just sort of felt, I don't, I, I'm so glad you didn't. I know. I, I'm so glad too. And, but the thing is, is that it is, it is, it was a significant thing too, because um, it shows up sometimes in my dreams. I dream about, you know, being with killer whales, you know, oh so gosh. I don't know. So that was just a crazy thing that, yeah, I just wanted to share. Oh, that was great. Well, I just had a dream about sharks two nights ago. So I'm right there with oh, you. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. One of your favorite movies of all time. I think you've got a handful, but I want to know, like you're being asked today, one of your favorites. Yes. And you could ask my children and my husband and anyone who knows me well, my very favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. 
how did I not remember that? I was thinking Sound of Music, but now that you say that, I was like, well, yes, of course, of yeah, course. I love, I love, love, love that movie. And you know, my son who passed away, his name was George. Right. And on a subliminal level, I wonder if ah. I think I George Bailey, because he was such a good man and such a real person. Right. Um, who showed a range of emotions, right? Yes. And he was a good person, but he got frustrated when the money was lost and he, he, you know, he yelled at his kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, you know, Jimmy Stewart is just so wonderful. And, you know, in the end it's, it all comes together. But uh, I, that's one thing I loved about that movie. Cause it's like, wow, you don't, you don't always see a character that is your main character and um, is an important, you know, he, he had such a good reputation, but then he was showing a side of himself that, was very authentic right and he did not want to fall in love with mary i mean that scene where they're listening to sam wainwright or whoever on the phone and the mother's upstairs listening on the extension and she he's just like you can see it in his face it's like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna fall in love with you and yet he's so drawn to her at the same time with this this moment they have between them is so magnetic and so electric. Yes, it is. It oh is. Oh my gosh, it's incredible! Truly incredible. <laughs> okay, so you obviously—I'm okay. gonna—I shouldn't say obviously. I'm—I'm I'm guessing that you watch it once a year, and then it's. Okay, to, uh, this is the thing. This is the thing about my family okay. is like I have it on a loop. Oh, okay. I mean, I just have it going in the background because like here's the thing: is that around Christmas time. I'm baking, I'm cooking, I'm wrapping gifts, I'm running all around. So I can't ever sit down. Okay. So it's like, so I'm always playing. And then I have to rewind it like, oh, I missed that part. And so I just have it going, going. I I know almost all of the lines. It's And my kids probably do too. So it's, I just think it's such a great story. It really is. It's a very great story. That's a good one. Name a person that inspires you. So someone that inspires me is um, not a famous person, but somebody who's very important to me. And um, it's my dear friend, Marianne's mother. Her name's Jean Colarusso. And she is a very godly woman. She's somebody that I know that I always say she's the most, the, the person that I know that is most likely to become a saint because she used to work with Mother Teresa and mm-hmm. she has spent her entire life serving the poor and helping those in need and helping, you know, just she's always was reaching out and not just, not just, she, she was helping the poorest of the poor in Mexico. And that's how she, uh, you know, she became mother Teresa's ambassador whenever she came to um, San Diego. Um, And, uh, but, but she felt called by God to reach out to the poorest of the poor in Africa, in Nigeria. And I felt, called to help her with that. And, um, together we built, um, um, an AIDS clinic and an orphanage and a school for girls, but that was only what I was involved with. She has made so many more, uh, facilities for the poorest of the poor and helping individual families and stuff. So I just really admire her. She's 88 years old right now and she's still kicking and she's still helping the poor. And I think she will help people to the day she dies. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like that's her nature. Like she can't not do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's She's fascinating. Maybe yeah. you should have her on the show sometime. Oh <laughs> gosh. I wonder if she'd come on. I bet she would. 
I just have to help her with the technology because 88, you know, she gets all flustered with that. Oh, stuff. right, right. Yes, yeah, I understand. I can oh, very um, good. And she's a good one. I've had the, the uh, privilege of meeting her through you. And um, yeah, she is a, a go-getter, but she does it in this very gentle, humble, unassuming way that is so... With so much, and yet, and I don't know if it goes, well, with so much light and radiance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally, I think that you, there's not, I mean, she is beautiful on the inside. She's this tiny little Italian lady <laughs> that you, you, just, you would, you would not know how powerful she is. You'd, and that's why she was able to do all that work in Africa. She just kind of slide in there. Um, but, you know, she actually cannot go back to Africa because she is a marked woman. The, no. Yes. The From her time Raham, in Uganda? Um, Nigeria. Oh the Boko Haram. Do you remember? They do not like, remember they kidnapped all those girls who were being educated? Oh, gosh. So she is on a list. And the uh, the, the diocese of Nigeria oh. said, I'm so sorry, you cannot come in. We have been alerted that you have, there's a bounty on your head. Because oh. of the education of the girls. And oh my goodness. Yeah. So the Boko Rahan, you know, so um yeah. So anyhow, and but she's she's this tiny little thing and she is she's not afraid. She'd go in there, she'd, you know, she'd take them down probably, you know, but she's so unassuming. <laughs> but she's she's tiny, but she's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Got that. A piece of wisdom you keep handy. I know you keep a lots of things handy because I've heard you say and share many, many, many wise things. But in this moment today, so what, what's a piece of wisdom you want to okay, share? Okay, so I actually thought about that. And the first thing that popped into my mind was, and it's actually a, a slogan, I think, that they use at like Al-Anon and, okay, sure. and things like that. But I think it's a really, really good one. Um, but it's it's let go and let God. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, we might have get wise counsel and do whatever we can, move our feet, try to get something done. But yeah. we can only go so far. And then really, you do need to let go of it. And you need to, um, if you trust the Lord, that he, he will always have your best outcome um, in mind and his, his ways are so much greater than ours. Absolutely, so and yes, I don't always think about that when I'm in a stressful situation. It's like, <laughs> I have to get there. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. <laughs> I need to pray about this and I need to turn it over. Right. Well, and that's why it's, this is a question I, I, you know, you're getting kind of the classic questions and this is why I come back to this. We had some fun with some rapid fire questions the last many episodes now we're back to the classics because I love not only hearing what other people think in terms of their piece of wisdom, but I love being reminded. Me too. It's, you know, yeah. we're, we're never going to get to a point where we don't need reminders. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. That's not. Really true. It's just not where you got to keep hearing it. You got to keep hearing it. And you know what I, I was just reminded of that you were a teacher for so many years. <laughs> I was. That's just kind of yeah, you're right. You're right. You're you're always educating, Rochelle. That's really I true. do and, love to educate mm -hmm. and to be educated. And that's what I was gonna say. And to be it's educated both. to learn. It's both. I know. I yeah. love to learn and I love to, to share. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. All right. It's time for the deeper dive, which is your passion project, which is the comfort cub. Mm -hmm. I can say so many things about it. 
I don't think you necessarily, I don't think you can tire of telling this part of your story because it involves your son. And how could you be tired of, you know what I mean? That's so sweet. How could that, you, you know, I'm because I mean, it's all, it all goes back to George. Yeah, that's it really goes sweet. Back to Thank George. you for saying that. And it goes back to George and it goes back to Christian um, because the comfort cup would not have existed without you mentoring me through it oh. because, because there are people that lose a child. As you know, I lost a baby um, the same day he was born. You were lucky enough to have Christian for how long? Three months. Three months. That's amazing. And um, so, yeah, it's, there's many people who contact us uh, at the comfort cub after they've lost a child and, and we're, we're a little frightened. They sound suicidal. And, and, and I'm just saying that. So one of the things about creating the comfort cup is to trying to give people hope. And you gave me hope you, I saw you, uh, you know, how, how long was it after I met you after you lost Christian? Okay, so I uh, Christian passed in uh, late uh, 1997, and then you and I got and that. So that, that was almost 1988 by two days, and so then I met you in 99. Oh, so it was at, it was just about a year after his passing. Yeah, just yeah, me. just yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's two years, but it's not because it was end of the year 97 and beginning of the year 99. Oh my goodness, you're right. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, you were there for all of that. And but what happened was for me was that, um, you know, after after giving birth to George, um, you would be, you know, you'd know that you would have obvious emotional pain from that. But what was so surprising to me is that I actually had that physical pain. I I had an aching in my heart and in my arms and. Um, having to leave the, uh, the hospital empty handed was brutal. And, um, it unfortunately 23 going on 24 years ago, they didn't have the same kind of sensitivities and protocols in place. Mm -hmm. So they made the mistake of putting me uh, on an elevator with a mom who had just given birth to a baby boy and she had flowers, balloons, and a little baby boy in her arms. And we had to go all the way down the elevator yeah. together. And I had just lost my son. And my husband had taken everything. You know, you, they, you, they go out, you know, by law, they have to have you wheeled out um, in a wheelchair. Even though you could walk yourself, they, it's the, you know, it's their uh, the law for them. And so I'm wheeled all the way down with this woman. And I'm talking to her because there's you don't begrudge someone their beautiful child. It's just that the juxtaposition of you having just lost your child, it's very, it's very painful. It's just like salt in the wound. But I was like, so I was like, Oh my gosh, congratulations. What's your baby's name? He's beautiful. And that is so filled with grace right there. That moment (laughs) of you doing that is I'm going to start crying. Unbelievable. Well, that is kind of you to say that it's like, but what 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 else are you supposed to do? I mean, inside I was just like, oh, get me out of here! This is so hard. But the baby was beautiful, and but I was dying a thousand deaths traveling, you know, down this. It just seemed like it was going on forever too. 
Um, but what was worse for me, <laughs> like slow motion, oh, like a, look, a slow mean, motion uh, elevator. Uh, and, oh, and, and, and I felt so naked because I had nothing in my arms. I didn't have a purse to put in front of me. I mean, there's something, you know, I don't know if you know this, but they say that people at a party, they feel much more comfortable when they're holding a glass of water, ah. anything in their hands, because psychologically it acts like a barrier between you and it's a little bit of a comfort thing. And so I had absolutely nothing to hold on to. And I just felt so exposed. Um, so, you know, and you, just, I just felt like my heart was just bleeding, you know, just out there, just, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, everybody knows I'm dying inside. They don't. But, but what was hardest for me was when we got down to the, um, they wheel you out to the uh, sidewalk and her husband pulls up and, oh. He jumps out of the car as he should have. And he was so excited. The, the video camera and just they're waving. And then my husband pulls up behind him and I see my husband, see him. And then, you know, and then oh. he looks at me and oh my gosh, when I saw the look on my husband's face of such sadness, you know how sometimes it's like you can deal with it because you're, you know, but you look at someone you love and you see them yes. upset and that, that makes you, so we cried the whole dang way home and I, I just was like, you know, Matt, I, if there's, I, I never, I didn't come to this till later, but the idea was I never want another woman to feel as bad as I did leaving that hospital empty handed. Oh, yeah. And so I was having that aching in my arms and in my heart. And I went to the doctor and they absolutely knew they didn't understand what was happening to me 23 years ago. We now know that what was happening to me was um, I was experiencing something called stress-induced cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. And you feel like you're literally having a heart attack. Like I felt like there was a big pressure on my chest. I felt like I had an open wound. And the only way that it would make it feel better is if I pressed press my hand against my chest, just like you would if you were bleeding. Oh, and, wow. Interesting. Oh, you don't remember that? Yeah. I don't remember that. No. Yeah, I, 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 I know the next part is the part I remember. Yeah, the, in my, in my, then, my, of course. So, so. That has only been given a clinical diagnosis in the last seven or so years. Oh my gosh! So, and I, I met with a, a like actually a world famous um, uh, heart surgeon, and he and I were talking about it. And he said, "You know, Marcella, it's only been given this diagnosis in the last seven or so years, but this has been going on since the beginning of man. So thousands and thousands of years, this has been going on, right? Yeah. I mean, because wherever there is man, and there is sorrow." And there is acute grief. You will experience, um, you know, this stress-induced cardiomyopathy, and it mimics having a heart attack. But because I was young, and I didn't have heart, you know, hardening of the arteries or heart disease, my heart continued to beat. And so when I went in, oh, I, I was, I was, I was really having a pain in my chest. But my doctor was just like, and I, by the way, I had excellent care, but. He, he didn't. He didn't know what was going on. He was just like, "Oh, honey, you've just lost a child. You can have a lot of strange things." Marcel, let me pause you there for a yes. second. Can you take your jacket off? Uh, the um, oh, is it rustling? Is the, it rustling? The mic is kind of uh, just now noticing that it's kind of yes. Oh gosh, I'm no so problem. Sorry. No, 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 you think no. It's been no, bad no, no, the whole time. No, no, no. Okay, no, we're good. Okay, so unpause. <laughs> so okay. the, the surgeon, uh, the doctor is saying, of course, you just lost a baby. Of course, you're sad or whatever. Yeah. And, and you're going to have all kinds of aching. And, and, and remember, your hormones are coming in. My milk was coming in. So there was a lot of stuff. But I left the office thinking, 
you know, not only have I lost my child, I am losing my mind because this, mm. this, this feels very real to me. And the other thing was the aching in the arms. And I expressed that to him too. Well, again, fast forward, there is no clinical diagnosis for this, but all of us moms in the lost world know what this is. Mm. And by the way, this can happen to a mother of losing a child of any age. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Uh, I, I, it's called empty arm syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's where your arms are literally aching to hold your child. And I, uh. I have had people give me testimony about this. The first person that I heard having this after I, of course, a lot of moms, infant moms and such. Um, but it was a mom who lost a 22 year old boy who, who drowned. And she said, oh, my gosh, I had that aching in my arms. I just wanted to hold my son. He's 22 years old. That's not a child. That's a young adult. Right, right. And then um, up in Oakland, I was also shared with me that there was a 95-year-old mom at the bedside of her 75-year-old son. And she felt that aching. And she was given a comfort cup. So it's like it's it, 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 it can help anyone of any age. But. Yeah. So that does not have a clinical diagnosis yet, but we, even though it hasn't been given a clinical diagnosis, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Of course. Right? Of course. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't realize that you could get that sensation losing a child of any age. And, and yet, and well, really, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. It really does. And I don't know if you know this, but the anatomy of a woman versus a man is our, our, our arm are slightly bowed out where a man's not. And that was told that's because it's to hold, better hold a child. Oh my gosh. Physical adaptation <laughs> of the human body. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That is very so interesting. I completely. Yeah. It just makes sense to me. Oh, it makes totally. So, I mean, the things you have learned, I mean, and, and as much <laughs> as I thought I knew, look at how much I'm learning. Come on. This is so great. Oh, oh and I also wanted to, to mention that, um, you had uh, for the comfort cub uh, in the Instagram feed, you had a, a gentleman who, uh, you know, like I'm going to say middle age, maybe not, but that's how he seemed to mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. who, who said that he slept with his comfort cub, like for I six know. months or something. And it yep. just was so, how can something be heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time? But they can't, it can't, oh. it can't. But I just looked at that and I was deeply moved by, One that, that, you know, he's the, the vulnerability and the transparency to say that, which I think is fabulous. And I applaud all the way to the moon and back. Yeah. And then also that he got his hands on a comfort cub somehow. Okay. So, so we started off for mothers to lose a child, but then we realized that the weight of the comfort cub, and I didn't get to the part where, you know, how did I figure out the, about the weight? Right. So, so I had all these pains in my body and you know, nobody could explain it to me. And I had called my dad, uh, it was about a week after the funeral. And I just wanted to go down to the gravesite to be close to my son. And I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to stand there, but I didn't want to be by myself. So I called my dad and said, dad, would you please meet me um, by baby George's grave? And he said, sure. Well, he got there before me and someone had sent after the funeral, they had sent flowers and they sent it straight to the grave. So there was beautiful uh, terracotta pot full of flowers. And my dad was saying, Oh, this is absolutely beautiful. You should bring this home. And it looks so nice. And, 
And when you're in that dark, dark stage, you almost can't see beauty. You really don't care about anything. Sometimes right. people don't even yes. brush their teeth, brush yeah. their hair. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you're in such a whacked out spot. And I was like, I could care less about this stupid pot of flowers. But he he was going on and on. And I thought, gosh, the only way I'm going to get him to be quiet is if I just take the darn thing. So I said, Dad, you know, I'll, okay, great. Give it to me. So the moment that I got that weight in my arms, immediately that aching in my heart and in my arms went away. And did I, you like it? You were aware in that moment, oh, or did that I come kind was, of later? No, I was completely aware and struck by it, and it sh- struck me as very strange and so odd that I'm not going to mention it to anyone because I can't <laughs> believe how comforting <laughs> this is. This is, a, this is a cold, hard terracotta pot, right? You're going to be walking around with the uh, pot. Well, that's the craziest thing, Michelle. I did. I thought home and I didn't want to put the darn thing down. And I thought, now I am really, I know I'm losing my mind here. This is insane. So, you know, I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old that needed me. And I thought, I don't have time for this crazy grief thing. You know, it's taking up too much of my time. I have no time for it. I have to expedite this. Now, of course, you and I both know now that everyone grieves differently and everyone's time frame is differently. And mm-hmm. there's no such thing as expediting your timetable. Yeah, really. Right. Right. <laughs> and if you do try to suppress it, it sticks oh. around until you are ready to deal with it. So it never best to take it on head first as yes. it's happening. That's my thought. Yes. And to be real about what's going on. Um, but so anyhow, I, I tried to read every book I could get my hands on about the loss of a child. And I kept reading in these books, that women sought weighted objects, strange weighted objects to hold oh. to take away their, their pain. And I read about a woman who carried around a five pound sack of flour. I read about a woman who carried around a pillow, but it wasn't heavy enough. She put rope all around it. And the last thing that I read about was a woman who had had a premature baby. It died and she had not had any children before. She had been, you know, how we prepare when the babies come. We, we, we put, you know, get their nursery all in order. It's called nesting, right? And she had everything prepared. And she came home to the empty house, walked up to the baby's nursery, and immediately turned on her heels and went to the grocery store and found a pineapple, the exact length and weight of her baby. She brought it back up to the nursery. She took a baby blanket that was gifted to her. She wrapped the pineapple and she sat in the rocking chair and rocked that pineapple. And that story absolutely Uh, broke my heart because I thought if anyone walked in on that woman and you, me and myself included prior to losing a child myself, you're looking at like, what is she holding there? And you go over, it's a pineapple. I mean, that's like kind of a scary movie. Like, oh my gosh, she's lost her mind. But when I heard about it, I thought this woman is not crazy. She's the opposite of crazy. She right. realizes that she has a problem and she is doing, she's so desperate. She's doing whatever she can to overcome this great pain. And I thought if it is happening to her and people like me and all these other people that I've read about, mm. somebody should be doing something for these women. And it should be something that nobody else would understand the therapeutic value about it, that they could walk right by it. They would you know so that a woman in the privacy of her own home could pick it up, could wrap it, could sing to it, could walk it, could do whatever she wanted. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it was a week after the funeral. And at the funeral, everyone brought a stuffed animal to donate to Children's Hospital in okay. George's memory, which mm-hmm. was a nice thing. So in my living room, I had all these. I must have had over 100 stuffed animals in all shapes and sizes. Well, it was at the height of the Beanie Baby craze. Remember Beanie Babies? <laughs> yes. Okay. So my kids loved Beanie Babies. And so I looked over at that and I saw a Beanie Baby and I thought, you know, gosh, they're full of something. And I thought it was beans in the Beanie Baby, right? And I thought, what about like an oversized Beanie Baby, like in the shape of a teddy bear? Because a teddy bear would not be uncommon for a grown woman to own a teddy bear, have it on her bed. You know, think about Valentine's Day. People give gifts of that. They go to the Del Mar Fair, any fair, and they often win a stuffed animal. So I thought, but in the, somebody would walk right by it in someone's home. But when she was alone, she could pick it up and hold it. And so that's where I came up with the idea to create um, a a weighted therapeutic teddy bear. And I originally, I made them all by hand. And if I, I think, did you even help me come and help, help make some? You know, I might have, I, I'm yeah, not sure. I, I think you did. I think it <laughs> okay. did help me. I, I used to have to, the, I had to got, there were so many requests for them. I had to have my, include my girlfriends in on it and we'd stuff them and fill them and, you know, put a bow on them. And I hand wrote every letter. I used to hand write every letter. And Rochelle, you are one of the people that helped me to put the correct words down for us speaking to a woman. And I cannot tell you how many people have said that the card in it of it of itself the message that is included there was so meaningful to them because it tells them that they're not alone and right. that there's other people who have gone through this and they live to see another day where they can right. turn and help someone right so exactly. um, thank you again for helping me with that you're so good with words I do love words <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so we created the comfort cut back in 1999 and um, we soon realized after we created it that it could be used for a lot of different things. And now, 23 years later, we understand weighted objects and their therapeutic yes. value. And that started with the weighted blankets right. for children and now adults, right? Right. And people understand something called deep touch pressure. And it's when it's that that press against your body, that deep press against your body, much like the same. Uh, feelings that you have when someone hugs you, oh. and it, right? And it causes your brain to release the neurotransmitters, the happy hormones of dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. And it actually causes a physiological change in your body where your heart rate slows down and your breathing slows down, and it gives you an overall sense of calm. And so once we understood that this could be helping anyone that needs to wow. feel calm in a, in a difficult situation, so we started working with the San Diego Police Department when they went on the trauma calls. And it's, it's just grown to so much more. And now I'm happy <sighs> to tell you that we are very much involved with dealing in the mental health industry. And um, we were very uh, concerned when we found out that, well, first of all, we started really handing them out um, the first time to the general public was unfortunately after mass uh, shootings. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that gentleman, this grown man that got a comfort cub. I, you know, when I first created, it, I was only thinking of mothers lose a child, but just to, to see these guys, these are men that were um, survivors of the mass shooting in Las Vegas. And oh. they just, they just had their five-year reunion of October mm-hmm. 1st, group 91 concert. And um, 
you know, I don't know if you know this, but 80% of the people that were at that concert were from California and 60% of those people were from San Diego. So, oh my yes, yes. So there were so many San Diegans affected by that. And we had found out that a country Western bar called in cahoots in mission Valley, that they were holding a support group every Monday night. And so we thought, oh my gosh, we should probably bring some cubs there. I don't know if they'll want them or not, but we'll see if they, and we thought, okay, maybe there's going to be a dozen people there. Turned out there was over 200 people, <laughs> 200 people. In fact, I think there was a total of 300. We ended giving up a giving to these adult men and women comfort cups. And we had so many grown men. And by the way, these are like cowboys that drive around in trucks and you know, these are very masculine men Mm -hmm. um, that would stand up at a meeting and say, you know, I don't know what I would do without my comfort cub. And they said that they, the number one piece of feedback that we get is it helps people to sleep at night. And the testimonies that they were giving was that um, they suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's not uncommon to wake up with night sweats and night terrors and not be able to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. But they said that they'd go and get their comfort cub. And that's what, I mean, I don't know that man, but it that, the one that you speak of, um, right. I wasn't at that event, but my representatives were there, people that work with me. And, but this is not uncommon. I've seen this time and time again with, 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 mm. these, you know, these, you know, six foot five, 280 pound men admitting that the comfort cub brought them some peace and comfort and allowed them to, uh, you know, survive this terrible situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know that sounds dramatic, but we, it is, we, it yeah. is dramatic. That's good. You did good. <laughs> and, and, and it almost sounds like, you know, it sounds exaggerated, but it is no. not. We've had many people tell us that it's saved their lives. And I think not only does it help them to, to calm but I think the biggest piece is that they know they are not alone. Somebody traveled down this road before them and wanted to help them. And I so think important. That so them, important. And knowing that they are not the only person that this has ever happened to, because you know, when it happens to you, you feel so alone. And how could anyone relate to this? It's it's such it's such a greater pain. And they say that losing a child is is. The, the worst pain there is now I, 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 you know, everybody's pain is different. I know, but it's just, it's not the proper order of things. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what so throws all of us as a society off. And, and I commend you for talking about it because it's a very difficult subject for people to talk about. They're much more comfortable talking about mental health. And that's why I think it's really taken off in the mental health arena. And what I was going to tell you was that once the pandemic hit, we had so many people contact us because the rate of um, depression and isolation and they were feeling very alone and for them to be able to hold the comfort cub and not feel alone was great but we have seen that there is a 70 percent increase in suicide rates prior to the pandemic it's gone up since the pandemic 70 percent with kids the ages of 12 to 22 years old and when I heard that, when we heard that in my team, we were very concerned. And so I always think like, how can we reach these people? And what's the most efficient way to reach these people? Well, most kids between 12 and 18 are going to be in our schools. And so we reached out to the school districts and 
you know, we introduced the Comfort Cup. We've been working with them for over a year. It takes a while for people to kind of understand what it is and what is this crazy thing. Well, they understand it now and they are ordering them like crazy for the kids. There's, they, yeah, I, I just got a letter from a teacher the other day just saying, Marcella, I never thought this little bear, I have it in my room. It has comforted kids that have been through tragedy, through homelessness, through through a suicidal ideation, through, you know, domestic violence at home. It's helped them get through all of these things. And she said, I, I just, I cannot believe how much these helps this young, these young people. And so I'm so grateful to hear <sighs> that, to know that there's something that we can do. Well, I'm not even sure I can come up with all the words to express the the impact you have, and not just you, because I know you're you're a very humble person, but you you did start this through George, and mm-hmm. I know you credit a lot of that to your faith and and, uh-huh. and following um, the way you were being led, and you've you've gotten a great team around you and. Mm-hmm the possibilities seem to be endless. And the fact that you are doing something so positive for the betterment of anybody who needs it or wants it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that because thank you, Rochelle, for mentioning that. So first of all, I'd like to state that, yes, I did. um, You know, I, I was the very first person um, to create a weighted therapeutic teddy bear. And it's been copied all over the world now. But what I want to tell you is that um, I do not feel like that bear belongs to me. I do recognize that came from a deep pain of losing my child. And it's very important that it that it tracks back to a real human being that was affected by this. Because many times I tried to give it away and let organizations or something pick it up and run with it. And they always have told me, no, 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 this has to go back to a real mother who lost her child. So, but, but what I want to say to your listeners is that I believe that I am a steward of this little bear. I believe that the, I do believe that the Lord put it on my heart to create this cub. And at the time I really understood, I was thinking about only mothers who lose a child. But when the idea came to me, I, I, I understood that it was to start with mothers who lose a child, but it was that the God would use it to help so many more people. And here, 23 years later, um, I'm seeing that happen. And it, it blows mm. me away because 23 years ago, my talking about trying to bring a weighted therapeutic teddy bear into a hospital was unheard of. It was such an uphill battle. It was really, really hard to get people to understand that that could be comforting to a woman um, or to anyone, um, especially to an adult. Um, and now we understand that, that you know, it, it, it's a thing. It's just, you know, there's weighted teddy bears all over the place. And um, so, and, and they do help people. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, the other thing I wanted your listeners to know is that we are a nonprofit organization and we provide them for free to anyone who goes to our website now, it has to be the person themselves reaching out to us directly. If you have lost a child, you can go to our website, and it's just thecomfortcub.org, and a cub like is in baby bear, 
And um, and on the top at the top of the website, it says um, apply for a comfort cub. And mm. um, because there's also an option to buy a comfort cub. And a lot of people come to our website because they have a loved one who has lost a child and they don't know what to do, or they've lost a grandparent or a cousin or a brother or a sister or a neighbor. So the Comfort Cub is has been clinically proven to help people get through hard times like this and to reduce stress in the person that receives it. Um, so we, we are saying that um, along with sending flowers or instead of sending flowers, whatever you want to do, but the Comfort Cub is something that unlike flowers will never fade and that it's a permanent hug that can be with that person. Um, right. Right. And they yes. will have it for years. And the other thing that we found out about the cub is that it, w- even though it goes to one person, we have found that it is passed to at least three people. That's a conservative <laughs> estimate, but that's what we say. So because think about this, it's, it's, it's usually given to the mother at the hospital. There's often a, a partner to the, to the woman who's giving birth, um, wife, you know, excuse me, a husband and wife or a partner. And then um, oftentimes they have other children, but if they don't, there are grandparents, there's two sets of grandparents, there's four other people, right? I mean, and so usually it's passed around and, um, but we conservatively say it's touched by the mother, the father, and maybe a friend, sibling, something like that. But it's often much more than that. Um, But I, it's very important to me that you're, um, Listeners understand that this is a free um, resource for people out there that are, ex- that are experiencing uh, loss or trauma. Um, they're they're lonely. They're um, they're sad. Um, that's what we're there for. We want to yes. help. We'll send it to you for free, um, including shipping. Um, and we send that. We used to send it all over um, you know, the United States and Canada, but. Um, right now we're limited to just shipping it, um, in, in across, um, anywhere in the United States. Okay. Wonderful. Well, and I, I, I have, um, I was the recipient of a comfort cub and I also have given them in Mm -hmm. these kind of circumstances that you're talking about. And the feedback is always through the roof positive. I'm so glad to hear that. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't say enough good things about this as a a gift giving kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Because it's more than just a a gift. It it keeps giving is the point. It's true. And you know, that's so funny you say that because often what will happen is someone will go through a tragedy. They then feel like they are, you know, well enough now to pass it on to someone else. In fact, um, we had a someone who was at route 91, they got the cub, they loved it. Then they found out about a woman who lost a child. And unfortunately it was here in San Diego, but the, the hospital, cause we're at every single hospital in San Diego and they should be provided for free to every woman um, in San Diego. Um, and that loses a child of any age, by the way. Um, you know, if they miscarry a couple, you know, in their first trimester, we want to have it at the emergency room. Um, but that they had run out at the hospital. And so this woman didn't get it from them. They got it from a person who had been at Route 91 and felt that they were well enough to pass it on. So we often have people that have used it themselves and then pass it on to other people to give it to them and they pass it on. 
So it's really kind of interesting. Well, that's that route, like, a really generous thing to do. I'm sorry, I'm not giving mine up. <laughs> I am, I'm not I know, passing I know. it on. I like mine too. That's I'm so not funny. passing it on. Marcella, this has been such a joy. Oh, and you know, if I'm going to say pleasure, yes, it's been a pleasure, but I think joy is a, is a better word because it really, it encompasses something that comes from deep down and, Mm -hmm. and, and wells up, you know, and it's, it's not just the surface of it. It's like my whole being is (laughs) filled with just yeah, joy, joy. I'm, I'm, but to say yeah. I'm proud of you, just, I, I don't mean it in a way that, you know, we, I don't even know how to say that. I, I am, I'm so moved by what you do and I admire what you do and I'm inspired by what you do Aww, and I applaud you. what you do. And, and right back to you, Rochelle. And I love that word joy um, because it's, it's not happy. It's joy. It's something deep, just like you said. Mm-hmm. But also, I, 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 I tell you, if you had not mentored me and helped me, there would be no comfort cup because oh. I was in a very dark space. And you know that. And you helped me through it. And, um, you know, so you're very deeply connected to the comfort cup and um, our little our little angels in heaven, Christian and George. We yes. thank them for this longtime friendship that I yes, and we often remark baby. yeah, we often remark <laughs> about how they're together, they're best yes. friends and all those Aww, things. And it, and it does that. it it's it just it it brings again more of that joy to think that they've met and they're together and you know yeah they're, yep. they're just you know doing their thing but they're waiting on us and that's cool too. Yeah we have somebody that we can see and you know they say because I've worked with hospice they, they, they say there are women that are 100 years old or I don't know that old, but 90s in their 90s. And they've gone on to have like six, seven children. And on their deathbed, they will talk about the baby they lost all those oh, years ago. And yeah. that's who they're looking forward to seeing. And their husband might have, de- you know, predeceased them. They want to see them too. But they talk more <laughs> often about the baby, <laughs> that they're dying to see their baby again. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, it's, I, I can see that. I can totally see that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us uh, part of who you, you are. I mean, you know, in the getting to know you section and then this this big part of who you are in bringing goodness to so many people who are hurting and how very important that is. So thank you for the oh work gosh. you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. For that is so kind of you to say that. And thank you so much for having me on this wonderful show. It's been a joy. <laughs> it's just been a big <laughs> love fest. Thank you, yeah, Marcella. Exactly. <laughs> As much as I thought I knew about the Comfort Cub before this conversation, I learned more about the additional benefits of holding the bear, as shared by Marcella. I think it's astounding that a simple thing can reap such rewards. I have my own, and I have ordered them for people in need. I know that little guy is a comfort. Wherever there is pain, there's a hug just a bear away. The Unabashed You website has a page for each guest filled with photos, quotes, and a blog with embedded audio at unabashedyou.com. You can find the show on other podcast platforms. Want to lend your support and encouragement? 
We invite you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, and share. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us under Unabashed You. If you want to connect, the email is unabashedyou at gmail.com for questions, comments, and anything else. If you want to be part of our weekly emailing list highlighting the week's episode, give us a shout. We'd be happy to add you, and your info will never be shared. Website visits, social media, and word of mouth in sharing these episodes makes us discoverable, so thanks for your support there. We want these conversations to help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Be encouraged as you continue to listen, read, and be inspired. And now a prayer. God, when I think about you, I'm filled with awe and wonder. You are so much greater than me, and yet you long to know me. With a breath, you created people, and you care deeply about my life. So with all that I am, I will praise you, because you are my creator, and there is no one like you. You alone are worthy of my praise and adoration. Amen. And that is from the U version. All right. Go out today. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Be you.